Morning. Good to see you all this morning. This is this is our last Sunday of 2023. Y'all believe that? All right. So uh, that means we have the last Sunday of the year. Next year we have a new Sunday coming up, a new year, and uh, so we get to be thinking about the last things and the first things. And uh, I just want to start us out with some scripture related to that. This is from Revelation 1. John is on the island of Patmos, and he hears a voice speaking to him. He says, I turned to see whose voice was speaking to me, and when I did so, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands was one like a son of man. He was dressed in a robe extending down to his feet, and he wore a wide golden belt around his chest. His head and hair were as white as wool, even as white as snow, and his eyes were like a fiery flame. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp double-edged sword extended out of his mouth. His face shone like the sun, shining at full strength. When I saw him, I fell down at his feet as though I were dead. But he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the one who lives. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. That is our Lord. He is the first and the last. Not the years that we look at a calendar, but Jesus Christ. So let's just remember that, and think about that too as we listen to the sermon this morning. All right, some announcements. Um, we have a new sermon series coming along with the new year, so let's go ahead and look at that little video preview of the intro. starting next week. And uh, I guess next week is also going to be starting our uh, book study on C.S. Lewis's... um, um, Yeah, Mere Christianity. Sorry. A little brain fart this morning. Can you say fart in church? I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, Mere Christianity. Uh, So that'll be at 9 o'clock. And uh, I'll be going through that book and looking at Mere Christianity. And they'll be uh, probably down in the library, or where are we going to do that? Do you know? Right here in the sanctuary. Okay. And then also uh, next week is the time to change the decorations away from Christmas into something different. And so Sherry will need some hands helping her with that. So after lunch next week, if you will... Come back after church. Come back after lunch to the church and help Sherry put away the Christmas decorations. That would be greatly appreciated. And uh, we'll get move on to some winter decorations, I think. So she always does a great job. We really appreciate Sherry. And so it would be great to give her a hand with that. 
Okay, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for being the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, and um, that we look to you in all things. And, uh, you know, we look at this time of year as an ending of things and beginning of things, Lord, and uh, it makes us think about um, our lives and uh, resolutions and who we are and who we want to be. But, Lord, I just pray that we look to you, Lord, as um, who we want to be and not the world around us or or the things we see on social media or um, the people that we work with or any other influencers or influences, but that you are the one who we want to emulate. You are the goal, the one that we want to be like. And uh, thank you for giving us your son as that example. Thank you for sending him to create that way for us to be like you, to be with you, to be part of your family again. I pray for the service this morning that you would be honored and glorified here through all the things that happen. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Thanks for the update on your sister, Trish. It's good to hear. great i'm glad she's doing better look forward to having her back with us yeah all right well we'll keep praying for both of them for judy and for your sister trish appreciate appreciate you all Yeah. 
long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart, for letting the ancient words impart words of life, words of hope, give us strength, help us pull in this world wherever we roam, ancient words will
Well, we do more mysteries. We have another one. We have done mysteries of the Messiah now through the Gospels and through the birth of the Messiah. We had some information on that. What we have looked into are not the usual uh, Christmas stories. We have looked beyond the scenes, pulled back the veil to see more of what God had uh, or was doing at that time. So now we come to the Gospel of John, the fourth of the four Gospels, and he does not give the Christmas story. What is wrong with that guy? He does not start with Bethlehem, doesn't even mention Bethlehem. He doesn't dig into the uh, uh, shepherds or the wise men. He is going to another place. And so we are going to look at, at the mystery of the word. So John will be where we're, we're headed, first part of the first chapter of John. And we will see where, uh, where he takes us, what he meant by this. He wants us to know. He wants us to know Jesus. Jesus was uh, his Savior, his Lord. He's his friend. When you read through the Gospel, you find out John is just—he's a young guy, probably mid-teenager—and he is uh, just consumed. With Jesus, he just enjoys him. He loves him. He hangs with him. He leans on him. He's just all about Jesus. He also lives the longest of all of the apostles. So he's writing toward the end of the first century, and he's been around a while. And he's been around Jesus during his uh, gospel uh, training, and he's also uh, been in the in churches serving and letting people know about Christ for a long time. So we're meeting him. He may, he may be in his 80s, 90 years old by the time we get to this, uh, what he's sharing here. But this is what he thinks we need to know, what the people of his day needed to know about Jesus. So he introduces them in a different way. So we're going to talk about introductions. Have you ever just met somebody by way of reputation? So maybe that if you've heard of Billy Graham and, and you knew him, but you, you knew about him because of reputation, but then you run into him and you get introduced, shake his hand, a whole different thing. So you're introduced to Billy Graham. Or maybe you run back in history and you meet this tall Virginian who was the father of our country, who was the commander of the revolutionary army he is the first president and you meet him george washington you know him by reputation now you shake his hand you get to know him but you know something about him there's some background information and john is trying to give us some some background information and he starts way 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 back so this is way before his birth in bethlehem and he's writing to the people of his day, so we will talk about how that affects what he's written. But let's meet the word. Let's meet the word. This is John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14. 
In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So the Word became human, made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John 1, 1 and 14. So we get some clues, and he's also taking us back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1. In the beginning, we have, we have that introduction. We have some idea of the, there's a person connected with what happened in Genesis in the creation. We get uh, an idea that, that somehow this is all part of what the, who the Word is, what the Word does, what God is up to, and he's just trying to get everybody that's reading this to set their minds on those things and say, this is, this is big. Let me take you back to the very beginning and what all happened there. So we're going to look at the uh, higher nature of this person, and then he's going to tell us about the gospel. That's where we're introduced to Jesus. We have some information. We have some reputation. And then he wants us to meet him, to know him. Not just know about him, but to know him. So before the beginning, before the beginning. So verse 1, in the beginning the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So, this is strange. What about the word existed? What, what's unfolding here? What, what is happening that you would use an element of communication, word, to describe somebody? What is going on that he would think this is a great way to begin and tell this story? Why not start with, start with Mary? Why not start with the angels? No, why not tell the Bethlehem story? Because we can wrap our heads around that. We can sort of, you know, we've seen pictures of angels, not real ones, just imagination. But we have an idea of where Bethlehem is. We know there's what shepherds do. We can sort of get a handle on that. And then he introduces this most important being with he's the word you know what he's the word you know, how are we going to put put this together how are we going to how are we going to make sense of this so before the beginning not just a not just an element of communication there's something else going on here seven times in genesis god's creative order in chapter one he gives then god said we have it recorded then god said let there be light let there be he's creating he's he's making things happen when he says whatever it is he says seven times it happens we have we have space we have time we have matter all created from nothing and god just brings it into being by speaking the words. And then he fills it out. 
He does it creatively, he does it artistically, and he puts in balls of gas scattered throughout the universe so that we have something to uh, just enjoy the night, but he puts 193 million miles away from this planet to say, I'm just going to keep you guys warm and provide you with light, builds the planet with the right elements that we need to sustain life. Then he establishes life, vegetation, and animals, and marine life, and humans. And God said, so that's word. That's words. So in the beginning... So this word is somehow involved in that. Everything that's created, he goes on to say in John chapter 1, everything that is came by way of the word. Not the words, by the word. Something is happening. Something he's introducing us to is different than we would normally think. It's different than the way we approach an element of communication. He's talking about a being, and a being that is powerful, personal, intelligent, has the ability to engage everything and make it what it is. He's introducing us to him, the word. So we are in a unique uh, position at this point to look at him and learn something about him, about who he is, about who this, this person is. There is there's power in God's word. And God is about doing incredible things. And we have an opportunity because of what John has put down to know more about him. To know more than what we may assume uh, that we already know. And we need to go back to the culture, to the languages of the Bible. So the languages of the Bible, there are three. The Old Testament is written in these three languages, so Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. So we need those three, and we need the thinking that existed during that time. The the assembled 66 books that make up the Bible were collected and and written and collected over 1,500 years, 40 different authors, three different continents, And, and so there's cultural differences, and there are... Uh, stories to be told. All you have to do is sit around the table during the holidays like we've just done, and you have different generations. You go, look how different those guys are. Let's pick on the boomers. Let's pick on the millennials. Let's pick on whoever. They have different language. They say it different. They think different. They use different words. That's within decades. 1,500 years. But we assume we can read through this book and get it. Don't we? You'll see that's what that means to me. Really doesn't matter what that means to you. What did it mean to the God who put it in the mind of the person who wrote it to the people he wrote it to? What happened there? What was unfolding there? So when we read, in the beginning was the word, you go, "Eh, okay. We got nowhere to go. That's not true for them. Because their language, their culture, their times, their history, what they knew about the world around them was different than what we know about the world we live in and the times in which we live. So this is a change. So the three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, are are primary. Hebrew and Greek are going to be the main ones. Old Testament, mainly written in 
Hebrew translated by 250 BC into Greek, which gives us a great, it's called a Septuagint. It's a great resource because it was translated back in those days, long before Jesus. So when people go, well, you know, after Jesus came, they just wrote afterwards and said, look, he fulfilled a prophecy. No, it was translated into Greek before that. So we have an element outside of their circle that says these things were written way before somebody knew something about what was coming. And we got that information. So that, that's, a, that's a cool part. New Testament written Greek. Old Testament translated into Greek. But Hebrew, but Aramaic shows up. So that's used a lot in uh, Daniel. And those people who went to Babylon, they, they were in exile. When they returned, they mainly spoke Aramaic. When Jesus is on the ground, these are the three languages that they spoke. They understood. They would hear. So in a synagogue, they may hear the presentation uh, and the reading of the scripture in any one of these three. So they're familiar with these, these languages uh, Hebrew was mainly at the temple that they, they were still using. But Aramaic was their day-to-day. The trade language was Greek. So depending on where you live today in the world, if you want to do trade, you're going to learn English. So that's just part of it. So that was what they need, needed to do as well. So Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. In the beginning... The word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So let's do this. We're going to go back to Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 3, we have this, uh, the creation. We have Adam and Eve. We have a new element, a new uh, sinister entity enters in, the serpent, And he leads them astray, and all of those things have happened. But we want to focus on this in verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. So they're they're in paradise. They're in the Garden of Eden. They're hiding because they're afraid he's going to show up, which is apparently the way this is written. God would come and meet with them. And he would walk, and so he's in a form that they can enjoy uh, conversation with him. He's not just a beam of light. He's not just a a flickering shadow. He is there. So he's walking in the garden. In the Targum, which would be the Aramaic translation version of this, so the Aramaic version, which they heard often, This is how this is translated. And they heard the sound of the word of the Lord God walking in the garden. They heard the sound of the word. Memra is that word of the Lord God walking in the garden. Okay, so that's that's what's going on here. They're talking about something that happened. Something is, uh, in, in our sense, physical a manifestation of some sort that is walking like a human being walking in this garden and that's who they encounter. That's who they've been talking with. And now he's coming to talk to them about some other things. But I just want you to look at that 
Who's here? What is he called? He's called the Word. And that starts in Genesis. So we get a little bit of a clue. Okay, the Word is something more than just uh, a part of speech. This is, this is in, in their mind, in their thinking, the Word, this, this intellect, this creative part that made everything walks and can walk and communicate and touch base with us. So that's the word. The appearance of the word. This is in Genesis 15, verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. This is God. Shows up, talks to Abraham. And Abraham and Sarah are old. And God says, you're going to have your own child. They're way past the age of having children, and so they're going, I don't know. And God says, no, don't, don't come up with these other plans, because you know, that, that's what he does. You read the story, you find out he, come, he gets creative and trying to find a way to have a, a son, to have an heir. And God says, no, you will have an heir. You and Sarah will have your own child. But it's who shows up that's interesting here. And, and what we're looking at. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Does that mean that there was a conversation with communication from nothingness? No, he's talking about the physical manifestation of God as a human being comes to him and speaks. That's what we're, we're finding is, oh, this is used over and over again. The word is a, is a being, it's a manifestation of God that we have in the scriptures. And I'm only going to give you a few, but it shows up over and over again. And he has something to say. He, has some, he knows God's, God the Father's plan. He knows where we're headed. He's the creative force. He's been there for everything that's been made. He knows where this thing is headed. And he comes and has a conversation, in this case with Abraham. So Adam and Eve have heard the sound of the Lord in the garden, and they have a conversation. That's in Genesis chapter 3, and then things uh, continue. There's conversations later through uh, different events that happen. In this case, this is Abraham, and the Lord God came to him. The word of the Lord came to him. And then in 1 Samuel 3, the Samuel's the, the young prophet at this point, and he is uh, encountering the Lord, and there is a, you know, he's awakened, he's staying in the temple, he's helping out there, or the tabernacle, and in helping out at night, he, he hears the voice of the Lord, and he gets up, checks on Eli, and it's back and forth, back and forth, and Eli says, that's the vo- voice of the Lord, just Stay put. Don't come wake me up anymore. That's not in the scripture. So he waits and he says, your servant, I'm here. (laughs) I'm listening. Go ahead. Well, it's just not a conversation. It's not just a voice in the ether. It's not just something he heard. It's not just audio. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. He shows up. He shows up, manifests himself 
he appears. And, and the word revealed or appears is connected with statements like, in the word, and that's how you use it, right? They spoke to me, therefore their word appeared to me. No. And that's how that, this is the, you know, the word. Y'all know what I mean by the word, and they did. We don't know what they meant by the word. So this is, the word came, the word revealed, the word appeared, the word came to me. You go, oh, and when the word came to you, you go, okay, that's serious. Because I'm talking to God. This is speaking to God face to face. So that's that's what he's telling us a little bit about here with this. So the the Lord appeared at Shiloh, revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. So he's showing up, he gives them instruction, you know, they have a conversation. And Jeremiah, the word spoke. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying. So he appears, he comes to him. Manifested in a form that can be seen and and he can connect with, and then he says, "We would have saved some words, not written. You, you know, it's a lot of trouble to make papyri that you can write on. So this is this is big stuff if you add extra words." He shows up, appears, and then he says, "That's the word," and that's Jeremiah. So Jeremiah has encounters with the Lord that way as well. And then signs of God. This is out of Numbers. Numbers 14. How long will this people despise me? This is, this is God speaking. How long will they despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? Okay. Yeah, he's pretty. He's he's not happy with them right now. So it's the signs. He's done something they despise. I mean, they just haven't turned to him. In Numbers fourteen eleven, from the Targum. So that's Targums are the Aramaic version. So let's just see what that one, how that one translates out. Signs of God for His word. And the Lord said to Moses, "How long will they not believe in the name of my word?" in spite of all the signs of my miracles that I have done among them. How will they not believe in the name of my word? Who's that? That's the, his word has been showing up. Through the desert, there's, remember the angel, the angel of the Lord that's with them, who defeated or held back the Egyptian army? This is the manifestation of the word. It's This is... The angel of the Lord is Jesus pre-incarnate before he becomes the baby in, in Bethlehem. This is him manifesting himself. So when you read in Scripture the the angel of the Lord, that's him. If it's just an angel, archangel, some other kind of angel, that's different. The angel of the Lord is the presence of, it's the Word. It's the Son of God. That's Jesus before he's born as a, a God-man. So that, that's what we're looking at when we see these things. So he's, he's familiar. He's been having conversations with him in the tent of meeting. Moses has. And then he has, and I like this Targum, uh, Aramaic version of that. How long will they not believe in the name of my word 
in spite of all the signs of my miracles that I have done among them. And the name is a, is a representative uh, of the character and the quality and the person, the personhood. So when that term is used, that's, that's like this is all-encompassing, and they don't believe him. He's been with them. He's taken care of them. He's provided for them, and they don't believe in him. Huh. Signs of God for the word. This is in John, down the road a little bit, chapter 12. Verses 36 and 37. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. See any connection to Numbers 14? So there's a connection to Old Testament uh, statements, uh, images, the, the use of those things in... John in the Gospel of John, and so he's bringing those things out because his readers of his day would have been familiar with those kinds of terms and the use of those those that imagery. And for us, you know, we're just far removed from those things. It's not in our thinking historically. We don't we don't connect with that. We can talk about. Wow, pilgrims, we can talk about the Civil War, we can talk about Lincoln, we can talk about... And those all make sense to us. You can just throw out... If you just use the word, the name Hitler, you can just demonize anybody because that's what it's used for because everybody understands it. If you used Hitler 100 years before, it would have made no sense. But today it makes sense. They had... Their history, their culture, their words, their keywords, and they knew from their scriptures, from their culture, from what they had read and all the things they read, the stories that they heard, they connected. So you're getting more of that story so that you know when you read through this book, when you read through the Gospel of John, he is connecting this, what has happened before, from the beginning, and he's tying that Old Testament imagery into the New Testament because he is convinced this one that I hung out with is, in fact, God. He is the Word, and he is here. So he opens that all up to us, and Jesus is even using lines like this that take you all the way back to when he was rejected as the Word in Numbers 14. Again, being rejected, standing in front of them. Again, and being rejected. We have seen his glory. John 1, 1 and 14. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So the response to God's word is, do you believe? Do you believe who he is in the name, he says, of the Son of God? Do you believe in him? And, and to all who receive him, 
to those he gives the right to become children of God. That's John 1.12. Because we receive his name. Remember, that covers the character, the quality, the work. That represents him, the word. Do we believe that? Do we believe him? Do we believe that what he said is true? Or do we, like the Israelites of old, even with signs and wonders, go, I don't know. He hasn't done exactly how I want it done. He will never do it exactly how you want it done, by the way. Because he's God. And he's got a whole different agenda. And he's got another way of doing it. And today you've been introduced to the word. Probably in a way you've never heard before. And you get to meet him. Do you believe? Him. And that's the choice. To believe him or not. Some just don't. Don't want anything to do with him. Don't want to hear the weird stuff. Just like this. Because I just want it to fit in my box. What I can understand. What I can carry around with me. What I can control. He is not controllable. He never intended to be controllable. He's the one who is God. He's in the beginning. He's God. He's with God. He created all things. He's the Word who has been there since the very beginning. And God the Father said, this is all very good. And it will all be very good again. He's going to bring that about. So, do you know the Word of Life? Or how well do you know Him? How well do you know him, the one who has come, the one who's manifested? He wants you to know him better. Revelation 3.20 says, I, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear me, open the door and I will come into you. And we will sit down and I will hang out with you. I will dine with you. We will, we will talk about things. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he knocks on every door. He knocks on every heart. He's looking for entrance. But not our way. He wants to come in his way. And he wants to talk about the things he wants to talk about, which may be way different than the things you want to talk about because he's got something really good in store for you. He still shows up. That's why we're told in Revelation 3.20, I'm standing at the door knocking. The word manifest. Jesus said, I will be with you always. He's not done yet. We don't have to wait till he splits open the sky and shows up to take over. He keeps manifesting himself. Therefore, our next series is on the manifestations of the Messiah, where we find out more about how he does that. But today we get introduced to the word. He's in the beginning. So all of that history and all that you know about life is all wrapped up in what he has done. All of it. Which is what John is telling us. If we want life, we want abundant life, it's in him. Always in him. We come back to him. And then he reveals it. And we can believe or not believe. That doesn't change him. 
He's still doing what he does. He still is who he is. And he wants us to join him and to experience this reality and in ways that we cannot wrap our minds around at this point. So if you don't believe this is a good day to start, if you do and you want more, this is a good day to tell them, open that door. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all that he is doing in our lives and that he is not hidden and that he is available and he wants to come in to connect with us. Knocking on that door. I pray that for each one of us, Lord, that we would fall on our knees before you, declare you, Lord, open our doors, our hearts and minds to you that we might receive the reality of the word in us. In Jesus' name, his powerful name, I pray. Amen. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all and all, here in the love of Christ I stand. with the
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.